uh, here and there. We've had some gaps, but broadly speaking, that's been our uh, sermon of focus. And uh, this morning, uh, well, last week, we looked at the um, office of elder and what that uh, looks like and what that should be. And this morning, uh, we're looking at the office of uh, deacon. Uh, So that's where we'll be heading uh, this morning, Acts chapter 6. But before any of that, I want you to imagine with me in your mind's eye that you have a, uh, that you are holding a a big event. I don't know what the event might be, but you can imagine the sort of event you might be hosting or holding, and you're in charge, just you, you're in charge of organizing it. Uh, Cherith, of course, my wife used to hold these uh, things in Ballymena called Winter Markets, uh, and there was a a venue, uh, there was probably a hotel or a community hall, uh, and, and she would invite all these stall holders along uh, to sell at it. It was that sort of market. Uh, and there would be dozens of stall holders with candles and art prints and knickknacks. And even the good book company came along uh, a few times. And, and then there would be hundreds of customers come in uh, the door uh, to, 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 to buy, hopefully. Uh, it was always packed. Um, but the, the event itself did not just happen. It, it couldn't. And, and Cherith could not set it all up beforehand or indeed run it when the people arrived. Yes, it was in a sense her event, but, but there was a whole army of people that were needed to make it happen. People to set up tables, people to welcome at the door, people to collect the entrance fee, people to provide tea and coffee, people to direct people where to park. Parking was always an issue, I recall, uh, in the dark at these things. Uh, People to tidy up tables afterwards. Uh, And and Cherith was pulling in favors from family members and husband, of course, as well. Imagine what would happen without them. Well, it just couldn't happen she couldn't do it. She was, she was selling at her stall. There would, be, there would be no winter market without those enabling it to happen. She was out the front selling. They weren't doing the main thing that the event was about, but they were still vital. They were, in fact, essential to make it happen. How does the local church function? Yes, you can have a man with a Bible preaching in his living room, But what happens when things develop in size? Churches began in people's homes, remember, and then, well, look at us today. We're we're too big for that. You need need structure, don't you, in that sense? You need need organization when that happens, when the numbers are are of a certain size, when they develop. What happens when, when, when people, well, people result in what people usually result in, and that is, well, issues, things happen. Frequently, issues come up, don't they, when you're working with people? Well, let's think about the origin of deacons. The origin of deacons. Uh, There is a sense that we are all deacons. 29 times in our New Testament, the term is used. It's usually translated as servant or even minister. Let me show you a few examples. Mark chapter 9, verse 35. It's going to come up on the screen. And he sat down and called the 12, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and deacon, servant of all. That's the word for deacon. Secondly, John 12, 26. If anyone deacons, serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my deacon servant be also. If anyone deacons me, serves me, the father will honor him. You see the idea in the brackets we have what our English translation has. But it's the word deacon. But of course, as most of you know, uh, there, is also a f- there are also a few examples when the word is used in a narrower sense. 
a more specific sense. It's not an informal role. It's, it's one of the two offices in the New Testament that has been put in place by, by Jesus Christ for the local church. Philippians 1 verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, that's not, that's not the word deacon, that's a different word, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. You'll recall overseers as one of three words, uh, elder, pastor, overseer from last week used to describe the office of elder and it goes along with the other office, that of deacon who are in the church in Philippi, deacons and the elders. It's the first mention, uh, well the first mention of, of this idea comes up in Acts chapter 6 where we're going to read from just now in the early days of the church, Acts chapter 6. Verse number 1. Um, it'll come up on the screen and we'll read this just now. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in these days, uh, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And we'll end a reading at verse number three. As numbers increase uh, and people are added to the church in the early days and things are becoming more organized, there's an issue in the church among the people. It threatens to unravel the unity in the church. The apostles who are teaching the scriptures and, and finding themselves, uh, well, they're finding themselves potentially uh, drawn into this issue. And so they, so they need help. And they choose seven men to take on the issue of the distribution to these needy saints, these widows. The apostles choose, uh, the, the, um, the church chooses seven men of good character. They are of good repute. Notice that there. They are, they are of good character. They are, they are spiritual men. Notice they are filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. They are wise men. Wisdom, of course, comes from the same Holy Spirit of God. And they're appointed to this duty, aren't they? They, they take on this task. They, they enable the apostles to devote themselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer. That's what it says. Uh, to focus on that, whether these seven men were actual deacons, in the, as in the office of the church that, that appears in Paul's letters, or not, we are not sure, but they are certainly the start of an idea in that direction. But notice that, in any case, we can say that the rule of apostle becomes something similar to the rule of elder. And the rule of the seven here becomes something similar to the rule of deacon. You can kind of draw the lines like that. Certain differences, of course, between an apostle and a deacon. But you, the, the line is drawn between that apostle to elder, one of the seven, to the office of deacon. What is the rule? What are the rule of deacons? From this we can determine, can't we, something of the rule it's, it's, not, uh, it's not leadership. They are not overseers who provide oversight over the flock. It is, it is serving in tangible ways, isn't it? Deacons are example 
servants. They show the way to others. For, of course, we are all deacons in an informal sense. Uh, to, to follow Jesus is, of course, to serve Jesus. But, but, or, but, or precisely because the word means servant, we, we can clearly see that deacons must serve. And with the example of the widow's needs, we can see the idea, can't we? Serving tables, serving in practical, tangible ways. The problem of the widow's distribution and a thousand and one problem since that have, that, have, that have arrived. And the best deacons are problem solvers with correspondingly good eyesight. You see a problem and then you go and get work at getting it fixed, getting it sorted. The rule is meeting tangible needs. The rule is also promoting church unity, isn't it? There was a there was a serious threat here to the local church that could have descended into racial them and us between the Hellenists or the Greeks as they're commonly known and the Hebrews. And these men are charged with, with smoothing things over. And if there is a threat to the church unity as there was here, good deacons seek to, to smooth things over, to, to nip it in the bud, to sort the issue, promoting church unity, which is a very precious thing very important thing. The rule is promoting church unity. The rule is enabling word ministry. Now, deacons are not limited in their work. It's serving tables. It's mercy ministry. But it's, but it's open-ended enough that, it, that it's clearly whatever is needed to enable the ministry of the word and prayer, the elders' work, to take place. Technology and customs and indeed Pandemics can, can change the nuts and the bolts of it, but enabling is the headline, however, whenever you are or whatever the situation is, enabling. It's not that the function is formalized or, or sacred, it's the office. In other words, all of this enabling can be done by anyone, male or female, opening up setting up the chairs, welcoming people, audio-visual, lifting the offering, passing out communion emblems, maintaining the accommodation, banking, financial record-keeping, administering the, the rule of the church, for example. But, but it is formalized in the rule of deacon as, as necessary example servants. For if this is done by no one, then there is, there is no gathered church. There is only messy church every week. It would be chaos. Or, or there are elders who can't do their God-given task because they're, they're doing all the practical, tangible things that have to be done. They cannot devote themselves to preparing good meals for, from God's word, seeking him in that, seeking to prepare well and to preach in a way that people can relate to, for there are dozens of other things that could distract and, uh, from preparing the main meal, the main meals. And you end up with, well, you end up with what happens at home whenever you've got 101 things to do and you haven't got time to make the dinner. Junk food, fast food, unhealthy sheep. The best deacons are enablers, looking for things that could derail the elders from their task and taking them on. For a church without biblical teaching cannot exist. The rule well, it's to do important work, isn't it? There's not, that's the fourth point there. there there's not uh, important work and unimportant work here. 
Please notice that. We're not elevating spiritual ministry above practical ministry. Without biblical preaching, there would be no church. But without deacons, there would be no biblical preaching. You see? It's not that the social administration was not important. It was. It just wasn't what the apostles and later elders are called to. Uh, The apostles didn't delegate this to others because the problem wasn't unimportant, but precisely because it was important. Serving tables sounds like a low-level, demeaning position. A person waits on tables as part, maybe a part-time job when they're, at, when they're at uni or something or until they qualify for a better job. But it has a very different meaning in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he has created an entirely new office in the church for the purpose of serving tables. This is dignified for sure. This is important for sure. Good deacons are a gift to any church, and they are given those gifts by Christ. Thirdly, what about the character of deacons this morning? Well, with this, I want you to turn with me to the passage that um, we were looking at last week, later on, 1 Timothy chapter 3. The passage we looked at was verses 1 to 7. We're going to pick up verse number 8 this morning. We have a whole list uh, of character and um, qualifications like we did from last week. The elders is above and verse 8 onwards uh, refers to deacons. And this is what we read, 1 Timothy 3, verse number 8. And it says this, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, must, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. We have another character list, don't we? Last time deacons, this time, last time elders, this time deacons. Notice they are to be dignified. Someone worthy of respect, dignified. Notice they are not to be double-tongued. You see it there. Not, not, a, not a hypocrite or, or loose-lipped as a person. Not addicted to much wine. Doesn't have an issue with alcohol. Or or indeed, money, not greedy for money. In summary, they must be honest and true. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Mystery in the New Testament doesn't mean something mysterious or something that's to be kept from people that are not in the know. No, no, rather it refers to some truth that has been hidden in the past but now has been revealed by God. That's the gospel. Deep truths of the faith. Well, they must be believers, that means. Full of the spirit and full of wisdom, Acts chapter 6 taught us. These are not unspiritual men that are given to the the practical task. These are spiritual men, absolutely. And we can see how well these things are important in the role of deacon. Because deacons in their role meet a lot of people. They're first uh, in the door, they're last out the door. They they meet people all the time. And and so it's wise and good, isn't it, not to be double-tongued. Not to be disclosing information that someone shouldn't know or doesn't need to know. 
Someone prone to, to gossip should not be a deacon. Someone prone to slander and the other office bearers should not be a deacon. Rather, they preserve church unity. And someone prone to wine shouldn't be pouring the wine if you use real wine, which we don't. But you can see the sense in this, can't you? They're not addicted to much wine. And someone with money issues, well, of course, they shouldn't be counting the offerings. You get the sense of it, don't you? Tasks that our treasurer and assistant treasurer do. And they should be tested first, Paul says in verse 10. It's a, good principle that, it's a good principle that if you desire to serve in an office in the church, you should take on something of that rule already. Become before you become, as it were. For a would-be deacon, of course, that, that, that means being, being practically switched on. See something needing done to enable the church to run more smoothly, then you, you do it before you're ever even called into the office. And they should be able at home, Paul's saying, in marriage and also in managing their children. You, you make a mess of that, then you may make a mess of managing the church. That's the point, isn't it? There's no requirement to be married or to have children, of course. Paul's speaking in a, in a normative way, not, not an exclusive way. In summary, deacons are basically faithful committed Christians who are honest and true. And again, isn't it right that that is expected of all of us? These qualities are what you, all of you, and me, and I should aspire to. For they are indeed what it means to be as Jesus intends you to be. Take away any sort of that's not me, I'm not in ministry idea that you have, or I'm not an office bearer sort of thought in your mind. No, no, no. You aspire with Christ's help to be a faithful, committed Christian who's not loose-tongued, alcohol-dependent, dodgy with money, and is faithful in your home. That's what you aspire to be. That's what God's saying to us in this passage, isn't it? This is a, this is a list for everyone that wants to be a godly Christian. Now, the question of deacons. Fourthly, now we're going to delve into controversy again here. <laughs> this time, again, over matters of gender. Here's the question. You know it. Can our women serve as deacons? As, the, as, in, as in the office, uh, the formal office of the New Testament. Well, first of all, let's look at the passage. That's the best place to, to be, isn't it? That's the best place to start. That's, the, that's always the best place to start. What does God say? And verse 11 is key. Have a look at verse 11 with me. Verse Timothy 3, verse 11. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. And you say, well, that says wives. That's easy. That, that, that means that the deacon is a man. And yes, that could be what Paul means, but let me show you another translation, New American Standard, known for its literal nature, okay? It's a, it's a good translation, New American Standard Bible, and it says this, women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. You say they've taken away the word there. Well, the word there isn't actually there in the original. It's been added in for the sake of translation. But more importantly, they've went from wives to women. Or 
how they went from women to wives. So there's the question of translation. Is it wives, as in the wives of the male deacons in the office that's being referred to here, or is it women, as in those who are female and in the office in their own right, as deacons? Well, the problem is, the problem is that the word used here can mean either wives or women. And the problem is that Paul uses the same word eight times in 1 Timothy, many of which are better translated as women. Let me give you an example. 1 Timothy 2.12, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. That's clearly a woman. That's, that's not a wife because that would mean that you could have unmarried women teaching men and widows teaching men and that would be perfectly legitimate. That's not what Paul means. He means women. What about verse number 12? Let deacons each be the husband of one wife. You say, that's easy. Case closed. It's a man, isn't it? It's, it's a man throughout. Here, here, here's the instructions for his wife, the husband of one wife. But remember what I said last week. Because that little phrase, the husband of one wife, is literally a one-woman man. Meaning if you think about it, that woman is actually possibly the better translation for verse 11 too, where we've got the question of which one is it? Leading us to consider that Paul has been speaking to male deacons, then switches to female deacons in verse 11, and then switches back to speaking to, to male deacons by verse number 12. Okay, so keep that in your mind. Aside from matters of what's in the text here and the original, you also have to ask yourself several things. Uh, why would Paul give a list of instructions to the wives of deacons, ESV translation, and not give a list of instructions further up the page for elders' wives? An arguably more pressing matter. The wives of the model servants would receive scrutiny, but the wives of the leaders would not. That, that, that wouldn't, seem to be, wouldn't seem to make a lot of sense, would it? And then consider other texts. For there is Phoebe, our sister, in Romans chapter 16, verse 1. And this is what Paul writes. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant, diakonos, that's the word for deacon, of the church at Centreche. Now, the word for or servant or there is not the female version of the word you would expect for servant but is actually the male noun now you know you put a female noun with a female noun that's what you do normally it's as if Paul's speaking about the office of the church some would argue male noun or let's look at it from the other side completely and this is a strong case too I must say okay Let's look at it the other way. Uh, the, the Jerusalem church selected only men in Acts chapter 6. The original pattern, which the New Testament office of deacon comes from, is, is seven men. They're, they're named for us, aren't they? All of them are men. Ask yourself um, why Paul would give a lengthy list of instruction to male deacons and male elders and then give the women deacons a very short verse where all they have to do is be uh, not gossips, faithful, and worthy of respect. One verse. That, that, that seems unlikely. 
And Phoebe, well, Phoebe's no deacon, some would say. She's just a servant-hearted woman who serves. She was probably just a letter carrier on behalf of her church as a far cry, a far cry from the formal office of deacon. Now, this is a difficult one. Paul has not made it easy for us. And many of you will come down on one side of this or the other, and some will probably disagree with me, but hopefully we can do this humbly as we, we like to do in this church. And it's difficult. We cannot be as clear as we were last week as we were about elders, where it is he the whole way down and it requires a cut and paste job to make the original, well, to allow female elders, because that's not possible, that's not permissible. Here, both options are possible without cutting and pasting your Bible. But having looked at this many times with my fellow pastors and in Bible college, on the weight of the scriptural argument, I am more inclined to allow it women deacons as our constitution currently does although you know we only have male deacons now I need to clarify that because I know of several churches in our association with female deacons right now and I don't think they're necessarily wrong but I need to frame that in the following comments so let's hear me out okay because you need to understand that we have come out of what is an unbiblical situation in the past where there was a pastor the elder and a collection of deacons overseeing the church, in charge of the church. And some of us still have this in our minds when we think about deacons, someone in charge. This is not what the New Testament teaches. When the New Testament, in fact, speaks about plural elders, who are the leaders, with, those with teaching authority, those who teach, and then the deacons who serve in practical ways who do not have such authority. Deacons, of course, can teach the Bible, Philip does, and uh, he, he's in the list in Acts chapter 6, and then by Acts chapter 8, he's sharing the gospel in Samaria, he's opening the Bible with the Ethiopian man and teaches him the truth about Jesus, but that's not a prerequisite. Able to teach is not in the list in 1 Timothy chapter 3 for deacons, it's in the list for elders. Deacons are not church leaders, and if uh, and, and so if you have in your mind the leadership of the church, you should not appoint female deacons. Or if you have your deacons as the second house of the decision-making process, let me try to imagine a situation where, you know, in, in our country we have the House of, De the house of Lords and the, and the House of Commons, and they're kind of two houses, and, and all things that are passed have to go through both houses. If you have your deacons as a kind of second house of authority like that, where decisions have to pass through both the elders and then the deacons, and, and they can actually stop the decision, either of them, well, then you should not appoint female deacons. Nothing wrong with deacons being those who put the brakes on and say, hang on a minute, this is a bad idea. You maybe haven't thought this one through, elders, and, and informing the elders about this and having them have a rethink. That's not a second house of authority. That's, that's consultation. That We welcome that. Nothing wrong with having spheres of responsibility in the practical needs of the church. As we have, deacons in charge of finance, deacons in charge of AV, deacons over setup, deacons over maintenance, deacons over member care, deacons over church administration, but not oversight leadership, not spiritual teaching authority. Do you allow female deacons in your church? Question mark. Well, it depends what you mean. A deacon is not a set thing in our churches. Like a can of Coke is always a can of Coke. No matter where you are, it's a can of Coke. 
you see what I mean? They, they can be, they can function as a quasi, would be, demi, elder. That's kind of idea, a quasi elder. In such a role, in some places they do function. That's certainly not a role for a woman. If you understand that it's an enabling practical role, then our constitution makes this possible to be a woman. But, and I'm still going on here, you're still hearing me out, right? I am nervous about a hypothetical scenario where there are no elders left and then the deacons are in charge. You see what I mean? I'm nervous about that. I'm also loath to take rules away from our men who can thrive in this rule. When there are lots of rules for women that men cannot do, if you see what I mean as well. I've caveated myself away so many times, uh, you probably don't know what I'm saying, but I'm saying you, it depends what you mean. And if you understand it as biblical, as, a, as, a, as an enabling servant who isn't in, in spiritual oversight, then I think it's permissible. But I'm nervous. And I'm also loath to take it away from our young men and our older men. You're getting your money's worth today. Finally, our fifth point, okay? The mark of deacons. There is a reward last week for elders. A reward here too, verse 13. Uh, we're, back in, um, uh, we're back in 1 Timothy 3. Verse 13, for those who serve well, there's a we are. There's a reward here. Uh, there's an external reward. There's also an internal reward. Uh, the external reward in verse 13, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves. That's important, good testimony, a recognition that these character qualities exist. But also internally, notice, and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. You want assurance of your faith? Become a deacon. Serve as a deacon in waiting, even if you aren't a deacon already. There's confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus in service. Well, that applies for all of us, doesn't it? You want to see your Christian life come away from the doldrums? You serve. That's what the, the rule of deacon teaches us here. It's there in black and white. I don't know if the youth of today do this anymore. They're probably on their devices, I don't know. But on bus shelters and telephone boxes and park benches across the land, there used to be written or scored in with a pen knife, Thomas was apostrophe E-R-E, here, you know that sort of idea? Thomas was here, or, or James was here, April 1999, or Claire was here, that sort of thing. Do you remember? And it's true that you should be able to see the mark of deacons all over the place, that they were here. You should be able to see good deacons in every well-run AV router, every good set of church financial statements, every well-maintained church building, but also, also in every united church family, in every congregation growing in love and knowledge of their Savior, and still in every good Christ-honoring sermon, the mark of deacon. Now, you don't give them the credit, but you should, because they enabled it to happen didn't they? It's like that speech at the Oscars, you know, the, the one that goes on and on and on because I've got that I want to thank you list and it's so long. But, but the deacons are in there, absolutely. 
So is everyone who serves and makes it happen. Enables. Deacons, thank you. We cannot do it without you. Thank you. But let me tell you who we couldn't do without in an even greater sense. There are four servant songs in Isaiah. Servant songs about the one that's coming, about the Messiah. Let me, let me read Isaiah 42 to you. Behold my servant. Maybe we can get it on the screen, uh, Travis. Isaiah 42, 1 to 9. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen. Isaiah 42. In whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to be carved to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. This is the servant that we needed, isn't it? This is the one that, that came and served us, who we couldn't do without. The one who served with all that he had. One who brought us out of the dungeon. One who brought us out of the darkness. One who brought us into his marvelous light. Who served us. Who showed us the way to serve as well, didn't he? One who, who washed the disciples' feet so they would wash one another's feet. Christ-likeness. Well, that's the target, isn't it? That's the mark of Christ in each of us. The Holy Spirit dwelling in us. The down payment of the way things will be when all things are made new. Servanthood. Pointing to him is the mark of deacons. Serving in tangible ways. Promoting church unity. Enabling the ministry of the word. That's a big one, isn't it? And fulfilling an important calling which the Father honors. Let's bow our heads together before we come to sing. Father, we... We are challenged by your word today. Give us wisdom in this regard. Give us help as we seek those qualities of Christ-likeness, each and every one of us. And that, that service that enables us to have confidence in the faith, that assurance of our faith even, because of we're part of the work of Jesus Christ on earth. And that is something that honors you, and that is something that you honor. Give us help. Give us enabling grace. And we ask these things in our Savior's name. Amen. We're going to sing uh, from heaven.